This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. Tom Schreier is not with us today, but we got our friend Ben Raven. Covers the Lions for M Live. He's been doing it for about four years now. Seen some stuff, and I saw him tweet yesterday. Like this is the first time that since you've been on the beat that this has been meaningful football in December. Ben, what's that like? Yeah, yeah, what, what is it like to, to watch meaningful football in December? Because generally speaking, <laughs> the season's done usually done by now. The one I have not written draft profiles yet which is a win that is a win i love covering the draft but that is a win not to be into that already by december but yeah yesterday i walk into the press room in allen park and this time last year it's just the six usual suspects that are there every day you know the six seven guys i mean every chair is taken and all four rows everybody's there so like there is a little playoff atmosphere going around that building this week for sure but yeah it's just uh it's kind of exciting i mean they're in the hunt technically Playing meaningful football, yep. get Jamison Williams back. I mean, there's a lot of excitement going around here. It's a, it's been a nice, fun change. Like you said, I've seen a lot of stuff, but I hadn't seen this yet. So this is a new one. Sure. <laughs> Some wins of in, in four of their past five, the Lions, looking like a dangerous team. Like Obviously, the media room's full up over there at Allen Park. What is the reception from fans? Like, How are Detroit Lions fans who have been starving for, for something, for – a decade, two decades plus, like how are they receiving this team? How much is the city, is the state behind the Lions right now? Oh, very much so. Very much so. You know, there were some that were starting to turn when it was one and six and they're firing their secondary coach. But ever since that win against the Packers and winning four out of the last five, I mean, it's been a really, really positive fan environment. But I mean, Ford Field's been rocking every single time. I mean, they've had six... They had more than 60,000 people at a Jaguars game last week. I mean, they were struggling to crack 45,000 the last two years. So, I mean, it's it's going out big time. And, I mean, this stadium this weekend, that's going to – it's going to be rocking in there for sure. But, um, yeah, the fans, I mean, they're – and I think helping the fans right now. I mean, yeah, they're 5-7. and seven. It's going to be another likely non-playoff season. I mean, they're in it. That feels great for them right now. But the Rams struggling so much yeah. and still keeping that pick in the top five – has kind of allowed fans to disconnect themselves from that conversation and enjoy this streak and enjoy watching the rebuild actually check boxes that they need to check at this stage and do those kind of things. So, I mean, shoot, Lions fans, compared to the last three years, they're on cloud nine right now. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good point because you're right. Like five and seven, technically still in the hunt, probably not going to make the playoffs. Some things would right. have to go their way. They'd have to probably win out and have some other things in the NFC break in a different way. But the fact that they have that line, that Rams pick, it's not like at this point in the season, if you didn't think you were going to make the playoffs as a fan, you would shift to like, why are we winning? Like, this is not helping us. We could go find a quarterback of the future, but they're able to kind of have the best of both worlds now. And the, the Rams look like they're going to keep losing <laughs> too. So that trade couldn't have worked out better. Obviously the Rams won the Super Bowl, so they'll take it. But um, from a Lions perspective, I, I, I can't imagine people are – are too disappointed with how that thing worked out. No, absolutely not. I mean, like I said, it's kind of fueling, it's kind of allowing them to disconnect and enjoy this run and do it actually like, I mean, we haven't heard anything. Why are they winning? Who cares? They still have the second overall pick. It's yep. working out. Yep. <laughs> what has been working so well over the past five weeks? You know, even the loss, you need pushing Buffalo to the brink. Like how have they been able to stay so competitive 
week in, week out. Obviously, that offense is it seems to be humming right now. Forty points last week at home against Jacksonville. As someone who's there every day, what's working so well right now for the Lions? Uh, the running game is just consistent. Everything goes through that offensive line. And even with injuries on the offensive line, that offensive line allows this team to do whatever they want to do. I mean, Jared Goff is playing the best football I've ever seen him play since mm-hmm. he got in Detroit. I mean, he is playing lights out. He hasn't thrown an interception in four weeks. He hasn't lost a fumble since the meltdown in Dallas. And that was that was in October. So, I mean, he's helping it a lot. I mean, they are money on third down. They are the best team in the NFL in the red zone. They're scoring on 74% of their trips to the red zone right now, and they're doing it. I mean, Goff and St. Brown are the best duo on third down in the league statistically mm-hmm. right now. Jamal Williams is leading the league in rushing touchdowns. And DeAndre Swift the last couple of weeks has been getting more involved, getting healthy. Last week he saw that. I mean, they're really they, – they have their full, like, treasure chest of tools right now. DJ Chark is back. Josh Reynolds is healthy. Like, Jamison Williams still hasn't done anything, and he's coming back in. I mean, they get Quintus Cephas back at practice yesterday. I mean, health. Health is coming at the right time. The offensive line has provided the stability. that That's why they built this offensive line. Sewell and Decker have been money. Ragnall's playing on one foot, and he's still one of the best five centers in the game. And um, mm-hmm. and the defensive rookies, they 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 had all seven. They had seven rookies on the field at one point last week, and these guys are forcing. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson leads all rookies in sacks, leads yeah. all rookies in pressures. Josh Pascal's been a welcome presence since he came back, and Kirby Joseph, the third round rookie safety, who was deemed a project coming in this year. I mean, I think he's got three interceptions or two interceptions, two forced fumbles. I mean, they're creating takeaways. Force fumble on the second play of the game last week, turned it into points, and they never looked back. I mean, that's what this team wants to do. I mean, it's just, uh, everything's working out of that Jacksonville game. But right now it's just a beautiful balance between the pass and run and the young defense making plays. For sure. Did you, be honest, did you foresee this type of turnaround coming when they were 1-6? and six? Because I feel like nationally – as, as someone who obviously isn't there every day from an outsider's perspective, it was like at the beginning of the year, the lions were media darlings. Hard knocks was awesome. Dan Campbell was hilarious. A lot of it was the hard knocks fever. Like every team kind of gets it. And everyone was like, Oh, the lions could really do some things this year. Then they would start one and six and people are like, okay, like, is this, this was fool's gold. Like it's just hard knocks is finally worn off. Dan Campbell's not the one. <laughs> Did you foresee this turnaround coming? Were there aspects throughout the first seven, eight weeks of the season where this makes sense? Or is this something that was, you know, a little bit out of left field for even you who's there every day? You know, and not to pat myself on the back too much, but I did predict this team to start two and five and to finish with eight wins. So I did kind of see, I mean, I thought, I thought the first half of the schedule was just kind of tough, you know, just tough looking at things. It's a young roster. They got some injuries in certain spots. Mm -hmm. So I kind of did see a slow start out of the gates, but no, to play, to put myself back in my shoes when they were one and six. No, we're looking at that schedule thinking, I mean, you're looking at the giants who are playing well. The yep. Jets who are playing well, still on the schedule. You got the Bills coming to town on Thanksgiving. I mean, there were, there were, there were, there were, we were talking on the beat like, oh crap, they, they could easily be like two and eight real <laughs> yeah. quick. And we're going towards another similar season to what we've been the last couple of years where nothing matters in December. But uh, so no, you know, preseason, I kind of saw it happen, but no, you asked me five weeks ago at one and six, I did not see four out of five coming. No, because <laughs> sure. it was looking bad. I mean, it was the defense was 
They fire their secondary coach. The defense is allowing more rushing yards per attempt, more passing yards per attempt. Couldn't get off the field. And that's kind of really been the source of the turnaround is that defense playing up to the high-level offense. The offense has really kept it going for the most part outside of New England and uh, the Green Bay win. But, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a little column A, little column B on that answer. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, I want to dig into, obviously, the, the game from – week three when, when the Vikings and Lions played or whenever that was, I think it was week three. We'll do that in the next segment, but you mentioned the, the offense obviously humming. And and I think people even during that slow start expected this offense to kind of rediscover itself when Amon Ross St. Brown came back in. And, you know, obviously Deandre Swift dealt with his fair share of injuries, but Jamal Williams is, has, has picked up the slack there. I, I think the offense, at least from someone who, you know, a 30,000 foot view, Mm-hmm. It's never going to be the issue. How has the defense managed to, like you said, play up to the, the potential of the offense? You mentioned some of the young guys stepping up. Is it really, does it start and end there? Or have there been other guys within that defense that while they're still giving up some yards here and there, it doesn't seem like they're, they've really hemorrhaged points in the way they, they did early in the year. You know, it has mostly focused on the young guys stepping up their play, but Alex Anzalone, the starting middle linebacker who plays every snap, I mean, he, he's not going to get a ton of love from the analytic sites and stuff like that, but he has been just an absolute rock-solid presence in the middle of that defense, and he's playing a lot better football than he gets credit for. I mean, he had a massive stop last week that really, when the Jaguars were starting to kind of show a little life, I mean, bang, he had ETN in the backfield tackle for loss had a pass deflection. Another unsung hero was John Kaminsky, who the Falcons cut heading into the season. I mean, two weeks ago, that guy had nine pressures. Last week, he's blowing up Lawrence in the face, knocking passes down. I mean, they're getting some help from some of those veterans too, but I mean, we were looking at it yesterday, and it's basically a new-look defense. The only two guys back on that defense from last year at this point are Lynn McNeil in the middle and Alex Anzalone in the middle, uh, at middle linebacker. So it's really... I mean, it is those young guys coming together. It's Pascal. It's Hutchinson. James Houston has played 17 defensive snaps, and he has three sacks, three quarterback hits, and two pressures. And that was that was a six-round rookie they've had on the practice squad all year. So they are the draft class, man. Kirby Joseph. He, like I said, he's been unbelievable. Hutchinson is – I feel like people are starting to recognize Hutchinson because he's starting to make, like, two, like, wow plays a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has been exactly – as advertised because he is someone who continues to get better and better and really allows them to play around with their defensive line. And uh, that's kind of when stuff started shifting is when they, they shifted to a little more zone coverage. They put yep. Deshaun Elliott back at safety and they moved to Lynn McNeil around from the inside on that nose to three technique, a little working some more big bodies in. So it's really started the defensive line and Alex Anzalone in the middle. And just, uh, I mean, Jeff Okuda, I mean, I haven't even said his name this whole time. And that is someone who is, stayed on the field this entire season and yep. has had some really special moments and has really cemented himself from dark horse. What is this guy three months ago to cornerstone piece of the future? For sure. One more before we kind of cut here and then shift the, you know, to the page to this weekend, like Aiden Hutchinson, you remember you were, uh, talked about him. Probably can't talk about him enough. If you could put yourself back to at the NFL draft and when the report broke that Trayvon Walker was going to go number one and Aiden Hutchinson was going to fall to the, the Detroit Lions at number two. How shocking was that? And for a kid from Michigan who played at Michigan to stay home in Michigan, like how galvanizing was that for, for a fan base looking for something at that point? Oh, 
I mean, yeah, they were fired up when that report came out and the Jacksonville Jaguars actually went with Walker instead of Hutchinson. I mean, it was it was excitement. It was, you know, you got a little corner of the fan base who's extreme Michigan State message board fans who don't want none of that. <laughs> but most of them have come around even to this point, too. But no, it was it was. I mean, because people watch that guy have one of the most dominating Big Ten pass rushing seasons of all time. I mean. Whether you're watching Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State, you're all watching Big Ten football, and that right. guy's play was undeniable last year. So it was, it was. And me personally, there, I was one of those holdouts until the final minute. It was like Jacksonville. There's no way they're taking Walker over Hutchinson. Like I understand mm-hmm. the athletic traits of this kid, but like Hutchinson's a pretty special athlete too. And I think that really got buried in the draft process. So I mean, from a team perspective. From 90% of the fan perspective, this was a dream scenario. I mean, the Jaguars punted a dream into the lion's lap and they sprinted to the podium and made it happen. I mean, it was, I mean, it's an ideal fit. I mean, it really is across the board. Yeah. And it's someone who the Vikings and the rest of the NFC North are just going to have to see for the next 15 years. And that's just not (laughs) something anyone's (laughs) excited about. Uh, When we come back, uh, Ben's going to hang around with us. We're going to talk about the game. Obviously, we haven't really talked about that week three matchup yet. We haven't talked about what to expect this weekend. Uh, More on that when we return.